I think it would be great to pray as we get into this word. Let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. God, we are absolutely excited about what you have called us to do together. That, Father, you, you dream dreams that are beyond our wildest imagination of what we could do as a church. The impact we can have here, the lives that can be changed. And not just here, but around the world. God, I thank you for the dream, the vision that is on the senior pastors of this church. Let today be significant in stepping up to the mark in fulfilling that dream. God, we ask it in the name of Jesus. If you agree with that, say amen this morning. Amen. Amen. So, you know, I I, um, have been having a bit of a chat with Garth as we've been looking at the sort of things you're doing for your Beyond Initiative. And I love it. I've got to tell you, I think it's extraordinary that you are supporting. It's Vanessa in, in Wyong High Chaplaincy. That is, my goodness, I met Jesus in year 10 at Forest High School, right? It was in school because there was someone who saw school as a mission field. And so I'm just pumped that this church is making sure that there is a voice going into Wyong High. And so you've got, it's like, this is, this is the Jerusalem, right? And then when you start looking a little bit beyond that, you're still in Australia, but you're looking at uh, the Big Noise Kids Holiday Program, Tim and Louise Phillips, uh, uh, K to Six, putting on these great programs where you get to hear the gospel. Tell you what, it was a school teacher put on a great program. He said it was a water sports camp. He also made sure that all of the really pretty girls in year 11 went to that, so the year 10 boys went. And, and I went there and, and I heard for the first time the good news of Jesus Christ. And so to think that these kids, are, K-6, to six are going and are able to hear the good news while having an absolute blast is fantastic. And then camp works. How good is this for kids who have at least one parent in prison? Right? People that our society might say, well, tell you what, their parents have done the wrong thing. This is just what happens. And we're saying, no, these are people, these are kids made in the image of God and they deserve to know that their God loves them. I mean, this, is the th- this is the stuff that you were doing as a church. I got, I got inspired as I was checking this out. We were talking about it, reading about it. And then, of course, Steve and Ann over in Thailand. I love that nation. Um, that... They, they, um, they reckon that they're pretty impervious over there to the Christian message. That, um, that yeah, you can, you can have missionaries come up here. We're Buddhists. We do our thing. And, but I tell you what, uh, people like, like Steve and Anna going over and making a difference. I love that. Up in the north, Chiang Mai, Fung. I said it right. No Fang around here, Fung. And uh, uh, I lived for a couple of years in the Philippines. And you always do your A sounds the same. It's always the A uh, there. And, um, and so, you know, this is, this is the Bible thing, isn't it? Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And as far as we're concerned, then it's going way out across the globe. In a, an extraordinary thing. And, I, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that radio program thing as well. Because you might think, radio, what's that going to do? Ah, a whole bunch. And I want to tell you a bit about that. And, and, and Garth's been up there firsthand and seen some of that. Can I get you to turn in the Word of God this morning to Acts 26? I believe that this scripture is not just a call for the Apostle Paul, but that this is DNA for the church. This is like a beyond call. 
This is, this is a beyond scripture. Because it is a call to make a difference. Who here thinks that before they go to be with their maker one day, that God wants them to make a difference on the earth? You know, I don't want to have a headstone that says, here lies Pat, he lived a few years and sucked a bit of oxygen. Not interested in that sort of epitaph. I want something that says I made a difference. That, that someone was touched because I got to serve Jesus. And I get a sense, you know, as I'm hearing the heartbeat of this church and what people in church are doing and, and what they're excited and passionate about, that I'm amongst people who want to make a difference serving Jesus. Now, this is a scripture for such people. So I believe it's a scripture for us this morning. So let's have a look at this. Acts 26, start at uh, verse 12. The Apostle Paul is standing before a king and he is giving an account of what he's doing. Uh, this king's name is Agrippa. That's a cool name, isn't it? Get a grip of yourself, Agrippa. He was no doubt told as a young man by his mum. And uh, so he's standing before King Agrippa and, and he's telling his story. This is Paul's story, but I'm saying that this is DNA for us. Let's have a look. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus, this is verse 12, with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, O king, I was on the road. I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. All right, stop there just for a moment. Saul is the arch persecutor of the church. He is a terrorist of his day, if you like. He's very religious and he wants to nail the Christians. He wants to put them in prison and he wants to kill them. And he has got the permission of the chief priest to go. He's so into this, he even goes to other cities to do it. So he's on his way to Damascus to nail some more Christians and God turns up and, and hits him to the ground and starts to point him in a whole new direction. That's why it says there, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. You know what a goad is? A pointy stick that you use if you're wanting to get the ox to go that way. You get the pointy stick and you goad the ox that way. So you've all heard the saying that um, I've been goaded on. They were goading me on when, when they were trying to point you in a certain direction. Well, God is goading Paul in a new direction, not to be the arch persecutor, but to the, be the apostle to the Gentiles. All right, go on. Verse 15. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? <clears throat> That's a funny question, isn't it? You obviously know he's talking to a Lord, but he's not quite sure who. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up, stand on your feet. I've appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and a witness of what you've seen of me and what I will show you. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they might receive forgiveness of sins and a place amongst those who are sanctified by faith in me. My goodness, that is extraordinary. And that is the call that is upon you and I. Look, there's four things that I want to look at. 
I want us to see today that God's calling us to stand on our feet. I believe I'm talking to a church that is into that because I'm talking to a beyond church. Secondly, he's appointed us. Right? And we'll go through each one of these as we go. Thirdly, we have been rescued to be sent. Not rescued so that we can say I'm rescued and you're not. Rescued to be sent. And fourth, we have been sent to open people's eyes and to turn them to God. This is really cool. Fantastic. So let's go through and look at these four things. Verse 16, now get up and stand on your feet. I love this about God. He's just nailed Saul. Hit him to the ground. I've heard a guy once say, um, there's this guy, Rodney Howard Brown. Everyone heard of the revivalist Rodney Howard Brown, okay? He says it like this. He says, hallelujah, glory to God. Because of Rodney. Okay. All right. Well, here's a Rodney for you. I mean, Rod, Rodney, he, he's fantastic. He'll wander around. He'll do things say, hallelujah, glory to God. You, sir, God's not finished with you yet. But you, sir, God is finished with you. <laughs> hallelujah, glory to God. Well, he did. He said, God, God hit Saul so hard, he knocked the, P, the, the S off his name and put a P there instead. <laughs> right? So he just gets nailed and he's on the ground he can't see and you don't get God saying you know Jesus isn't there going Saul poor little fella you okay he goes get up get up I think this is a great thing to understand because we might think if you knew the challenges in my world, you'd just leave me to my own devices. If you knew that, uh, you know, in my finances I've got these challenges or I haven't made it all through these issues that I'm facing or my family's not where I'd like it to be right now or I never really got the education I was hoping for or there was opportunities and they slipped through my fingers or I'm facing a health deal at the moment. And I, 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 I want to say to you today, if you're facing a deal, that means you're alive. Yeah. Once upon a time, I, I, I used to think... I'm really looking for the time when I get through the deals and I'm not facing anymore. I realize now that as I've got a bit older, that there will always be something unresolved in my world. And that if I'm going to make a difference, it won't be because the deck is cleared of challenge. It'll be despite. And God doesn't look at me and say, well, Pat, you poor thing, you've got a few challenges. He says, come on, have a go, make a difference. I think that today with Beyond, God is calling all of us here to do that. You know, and, and, and God, you know, the, the, the challenges are there because through those, God can call us to trust in Him and to grow. And, and you know, we heard it said earlier that even bad stuff, God can work out for good. I love that. I love that He does that. But we're not to use the challenges or the bad story of the past, or the thing that didn't pan out the way we'd hoped, as a reason to sit back and think, I can't make a difference. God looks at us and he thinks, man, there's stuff in you that people are waiting to see unleashed. There's resources in you that when you step out and open the door, it's, and it's not saying, wow, I've got, I've got so much, I don't know what to do with it. You know, the people who, who, who finance the kingdom, it's the people that are going, well, God, I could probably use this somewhere else, but I'm going to sacrifice and I'm going to make a difference. This is what it's all about. It's a stepping up to be a part of the answer. 
It's, it's changing. You know, sometimes people think, you know, when I've got through these things, then I can be a part of the answer. But at the moment, I really just need people to visit me and to, to pour into me. And to... I have found that the biggest way to find answers is to be an answer to someone else. Anyone else found that? I find, I find that I get the most encouraged when I'm being a conduit or a channel of the blessing of God to someone else. If I'm a dead end, well, not a whole lot comes my way. But if I just start to be a blessing to someone else, you might think, well, I've got nothing to give. You've got words of encouragement. You can believe in someone. You can see someone who's sad and you can go up and you can make their day by telling them it's all going to be okay. This is, this is the extraordinary call. It's like... Um, there's an ad, I can't even remember what it's for, where they're kicking a ball around. You've got all these people going, me, I want the ball, I want the ball, I want the ball. It's, it's just having that sort of deal. It's Isaiah, when God says, who will I send and who will go for us, goes, here I am, send me. And he didn't even know what for. He was just in. Or Peter, Jesus, you're on the water. Can I come too? So I'm, I'm talking about, it's, it's like an inner disposition. It's an I'm in attitude. It's a I'm not waiting until the three words of prophecy line up and the, the moon is in that part of the sky and the sun is there and the, and the clouds. No, no, no. It's just a right here, right now. God, I'm in. I'm standing up. It's a stand up attitude on the inside. I love this. So he's saying, stand up on your feet. And then in the second part of that verse, I've appeared to you to appoint you. Now, if you write in your Bible, circle a point. To appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you've seen of me and what I will show you. A point. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, you've been appointed. And the person on the other side, you've been appointed. All right. Do you want to know what a point means? Listen to this. If you have been appointed by God... You have been chosen for his use. He's chosen us for his use. Not someone else, not someone for whom it all came together, not someone with that level of ability. Not, no, no, no. He has chosen you and I. Chosen. And this is the really wild thing. God who created the heavens and the earth has chosen you and I for his use. To use for eternal things. To use for the things that last forever. To, to use us in the lives of men and women who are extraordinarily valuable to him. That he wouldn't just let anything loose in their life. No, no, no. He's chosen you and I to let loose in the lives of others. He's chosen us for his use. Now, anyone think that's a little bit exciting? All right. To, 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 to do what? Okay, well, he's chosen us to be a... Oh. oh, a servant. I thought you were going to say something exciting there, Pat. A servant. Oh, okay. You see, this whole thing about servanthood in our world gets a pretty bad rap, doesn't it? Because, because we think of servant as servile. We think as lower, we think inferior. If you're a servant, well, you're, you're the one who's, who's pathetic and under and low. The one who's the big shot is the master. But let me just tell you something about kingdom culture here. 
in kingdom culture, the highest calling, the people who are seen by God as the members of his royal household to do his royal work are the servants. So in the kingdom, guess what a big shot in the kingdom gets called? A servant. Moses, the servant of the Lord. The Bible calls him Abraham, my servant, David, my servant, Joshua, my servant. We can have no higher title than to be called the servant of the Lord. This is amazing. We have been chosen for his use to be a servant. But it it goes beyond that. See the, the, the next word, to be a servant and a witness. Wow. What's a witness do? Witness speaks of what they've seen, heard, experienced. Anyone here want to be a witness for Jesus? Okay, it comes from an interesting word, that word witness. It comes from the Greek word martis, from which we get the word martyr. We know that word because it's a word that describes someone who would actually give their life and the giving of their life, their dying was a witness. And people would go, if what they are living for is worth dying for, then I think it is worth living for. I want to know what that's all about. And they were a witness. You, You know something? Dying is not the only way you can give your life as a witness. You can also live for Christ. He's appointed you and I. There was a thank goodness from the front row. I agree. He's called you and I, appointed us for his use to be a servant and a witness. I love this. And it's not just, okay, so when can I do this? Is it, is it after I've been to Bible college? Now, I'll tell you what, I'm into Bible college, but no, all you've got to do is know Jesus. All you've got to do is know him and you can be a witness. You know, for many years, and if, I, and if I just think for the moment with Beyond, the Beyond initiative of this church, it's, it's local and it's global. Well, let me just bring it local for a moment. For a long time, I'd sort of divided up my world so that I had the bit that was the God bit and the bit was the me bit. And the God bit, that's when I turned up to church. That was a God bit. And that's where I went to the prayer meeting. That was a God bit. But when I was being an environmental biologist, that's what I'm trained in, that was a me bit. And so I would go and I'd do that, and I wasn't even thinking that maybe God could have had me there to choose for his use, to be used while I was being a biologist. It wasn't even on the landscape of my thinking. And I remember this time I went to a Cornell on the south side of Sydney, and I was doing an environmental survey. I needed to go and look for rare and endangered things before they put up a, an industrial area. And so I met with the guy on the site and I was going to do some survey work over the next few days. And he said, look, I just need you to know there's a, a, an old guy, a, a hermit who lives here on the site. He's actually built himself a house out of scrap and his name's Frank. So you might see him around, just you need to know that. And I, and I just went, okay, Frank is on the site. Um, I'll just keep an eye out for that. All right, tick. Okay. Didn't think anything else about it. A little bit later, I thought, okay, <clears throat> when I do these surveys, I'm out with a spotlight at night looking for animals. I'm playing calls of different animals. I could freak Frank out 
if I don't warn him that I'm here. Because one of the things, I play owl calls, right? And if an owl calls back, I go, uh-huh, I know what species you are, and I write them down. So who, who has heard of Boo Book? All right. Boo Book. Powerful owl. All right, so all these. But I had to play. And you wouldn't be too concerned if you heard that, would you? <clears throat> masked owl. <clears throat> you know what a masked owl is, don't you? Okay. <clears throat> masked owl. Okay? They scream. And I thought, if I'm playing that thing, I'm going to freak this guy out. So I went to find him. And so I went, to, and went through the bush. And first of all, I found these big dogs with all their hair up on the back. And, and so I picked up a stick and I'm making my way towards this house. And there's cats and dogs everywhere. And, and I just call out, Frank. And this wary guy comes out of, of this door. And he built a two-story house out of scrap. It was amazing. <laughs> And he comes out the bottom and we go, oh, Frank, my name's Pat. I'm going to be uh, looking at the wildlife here. Uh, so I'll be here tonight with my spotlight. Just wanted to let you know not to worry. And he goes, yeah, okay. He, he'd been there for 20 years from Croatia, hardly spoken to. <clears throat> he's a new Croatian, just like you, brand new man. And, uh, and I thought I'd done what I needed to do and I turned around and off I went. I felt God say to me, if you don't tell Frank about me, who will? Uh, it wasn't even on the radar for me. And, and I stopped, turned around, picked my stick up, <laughs> went back. And I just said, oh, Frank, um, it's Pat, can I, can I come in and... Um, slow the stick down, take my chances. Can I uh, just come and see you for a moment, just... Um, <clears throat> wanted to tell you something and he yep it's okay so I came over and I said Frank I, I just want now let me just preface this I am not one of these full of boldness evangelist guys right I see them they make me sick I'm not like that I, I find this sort of stuff pretty terrifying I, 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 I find it what if he rejects me what if he tells me to get lost? What if he gives me the bird? What if, you know, what if all bad stuff happens? Um, and so I'm thinking all that. But I just knew this was a God thing. And so I went up and I said, Frank, um, I just feel like God wants me to let you know something, that Jesus really loves you. And would it be okay if I prayed for you? And he went, yep, maybe okay. And so I said, okay, well, why don't we just close our eyes? And I prayed for him. And I just said, pray, Jesus, show this guy how much you love him, that you died for him on the cross. And all right, so I'm, I'm not even knowing if that's the right way to do it, right? I'm just doing what, what I don't know, what, what, just whatever came. And, and a little pastoral technique sometimes, you can see if God's doing something. So I had a little peek and I could just see these big tears, you know, and these, this craggy old face going down his face. And maybe my hand on his shoulder is the first time someone had touched him in 20 years. I don't know. And, and so I prayed for him. And then I said, look, I'll come back. I'll, I'll find your Bible and I'll come back. The next four days of my survey work, I went back. I couldn't find him. I found a Croatian Bible. And I went and, and I couldn't find him. He was out in the bush somewhere. I went back a few months later. Couldn't find him again. I found the local kids would pelt him with stones and give him a hard time. So he was always trying to 
keep out of their way. He actually moved house. He left that one, took the scrap and secretly went to another bit of the bush. I couldn't find him. I left my card there and, and the Bible. He found the card and I left it. Frank, here's a Bible for you to read and, and I hope to find you sometime. A year later, still couldn't find him and he, and he had moved. About three years later, uh, I got a call. This guy said, look, uh, I'm sorry, I've got some bad news. Um, I can see that you're a friend of Frank's. I found your card and, and the Bible you gave him and that you wrote him. Uh, but he's been hit by a motorcycle and he's in a coma. And uh, because he's a hermit, he doesn't know anyone. I just see that you're his friend and thought you'd want to know. And I just thought, God, what are you up to here? What, what's, what's going on? What's this all about? He was in St. George Hospital. Uh, I left my office, drove down there, went in, said, look, I'm here to see Frank. Uh, apart from this other guy, I was the only other visitor that he'd seen. And he'd been there for weeks before I'd been contacted and had been in a coma all that time. Now, I knew if you, my mum's a nurse, my brother's a nurse, my sister's a nurse. I come from a long line of nurses. And I had heard them say to me things like, you know, sometimes when people are in comas, when they wake up, they've heard everything. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, I'm going to treat this like this, like God's doing something. And I went into this room, sat down, his eyes are closed, he's on the machines. And I said, Frank, you may not remember me, but my name's Pat. I gave you the Bible and I prayed for you. His eyes instantly opened. And then I just said, look, I'd like to pray a prayer. And this is one that you can say in your heart after me if you want to know Jesus. And I just prayed this prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me and that you took my sins, that you can be my Lord and my Savior. And I just said it and I left a gap. And he couldn't say it with his, his, his mouth, but he was saying it in his heart. And, these, and once again, those big tears are streaming down his face. And I felt like, like there were angels in the room. That's what I felt like. I thought, my goodness, this is, you know, so this is, this is Pat who didn't even see that he was, he was chosen to be used by God. Just, just hearing the Holy Spirit do something that I'm freaked out about, right? So this is not, I'm not telling you a story which is a wow Pat story. This is, this is, this is Pat fear and trepidation story. And, and, and God moved. And, and at the end of it, I just chatted for a little while. And then I said, look, I'll see you later. And um, he passed away the next day. Um, I'm going to see him again. I'm going to see him again. And so, you know, God is calling each one of us to be beyond. What's beyond? We've heard it several times today. The go of the gospel, Pastor Phil was saying. It's just, so where did I go? I, I just went where I was going anyway, but there was something different. I, instead of just going for a pet purpose, I went for a God purpose. That's the go of the gospel. And so, so much of beyond isn't just, um, okay, let's help those people over there that I'm disconnected with, but it starts here, and then that means that what we do in helping in different places around the world is coming from this really powerful thing. <coughs> Excuse me. So... <clears throat> We've been called to stand on our feet. We've been appointed. We've been chosen for his use. <clears throat> we have been rescued to be sent. 
Look what it says. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them. This this is the purpose why we're here. It's not the I'm rescued club. The, the, we exist for, the, purpose, for the, the whole purpose of non-members. That's why we're here. The benefits are for the non-members. We've been given salvation for the people that we've not even yet met. For someone who in a month's time we're going to talk to and they're going to get to know Jesus. That is why we are here. We have been rescued to be sent to do all of these extraordinary things. Wyong High, Big Noise, Camp Works, supporting Stephen Ann in Thailand, uh, Peace Radio, absolutely extraordinary. And we have been sent, and this is the fourth one, sent to open their eyes and turn them. Check out verse 18. To open their eyes, turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they might receive forgiveness of sins and a place amongst those who are sanctified. You and I have been given the greatest task on planet earth. Because when we go, when we're rescued to be sent, we actually see people turned. I'm so thankful that Mac Lindsay, the industrial arts teacher at Forest High, wasn't just being an industrial arts teacher. And that he he shared the gospel with me. And for now, I was 15, I'm now 47, that was a bunch of years ago, where I've had the most extraordinary opportunity to walk with Jesus and to know Him and to grow in Him and to be a part of what He's doing. And you and I, we've all got this call. We turn people from darkness to light. We've been given the ministry of forgiveness. You know that there is no forgiveness outside of Jesus. People try and fix that in all sorts of ways. They say... Okay, um, I'm feeling guilty here, so I'm just going to educate my conscience and say that evil's good and try and sort it out that way. Or they say, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm just going to feel guilty. How much better to be forgiven that someone has paid a debt we could never pay? You know, up in the north of Uganda, David and Catherine Livingston, they live in a place that's been a war zone for 25 years. There's been peace there for about the last three. When David was 15, he was kidnapped by rebels called the Lord's Resistance Army. Demonic. They did all the machete stuff. They would kidnap kids. They would make one kid kill another. So that all the kids were so traumatized they thought they could never go back to their community. David was kidnapped at age 15. I've not asked him and he's not told me what happened. But he escaped from the rebels. The Ugandan army found him and said, you're a rebel. They were going to put him in a concentration camp. On the train on the way there, he escaped again. He escaped into the slums of Kampala. He was found by somebody there. And he was led to Jesus. Um, We have a church, a C3 church in Hobart pastors of the Giacometti's Lucas's mum found him there Judith Giacometti and he learned a trade and he began to work and God called him to go back to the north where there was still a vicious war machetes, killings atrocities and he went 
and has been there for many years now. And I can tell you that right now in Kitkum District and Padere District in the north are 12 churches because of David and Catherine, where they, they do clean water and they start schools and they look after orphans. In his own house, I've seen this little girl orphan um, come through their house, get educated and is now at university that the pastors put through. And one of the ways that he pastors a district of over 200,000 people is through the radio. Anyone can get a transistor radio. And he preaches the gospel, tells them how to not get AIDS, tells them how to keep their kids safe from malaria. It's changing a whole district. The radio's there, it just needs help to keep going. And so that is also another extraordinary way that this church can impact people we've never met and save them from disease that would kill their kids and let them hear the gospel that would give them a hope and a future forever. So this morning, I just feel like the hand of God is upon us to make a difference and that, that beyond local, global, that this church is doing something extraordinary. I want to I thank you for what you're doing. I want to commend you for what you're doing. Uh, and as part of your family, to say I'm really excited to be doing it with you. Because I'll, I'll, I'll see David in two weeks and I'll be able to bring, I'll, I'll be able to say, hey, there's guys in the central coast of New South Wales who are standing with you, mate. With the dream that you're, with what you're doing here, there's guys on the central coast that are standing with you. So God bless you. I'm going to hand over now to Garth. Uh, thank you so much for the privilege and honour of being able to come and share with you this morning. Hey, hey, hey.